You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Speaking Duck. We're here with Daniel Cancino of La Mesa and Lassa here in Toronto and our good friend, both of our good friends, Big Norm Alconsal from the comedy scene. You've checked him on our previous Never Sleeps Network shows. I'm a big fan of La Mesa. I'm a big fan of Filipino culture, Asian culture, uh, the island culture, if you will. You know, I, I need to talk to you guys specifically because I think you, got, you two have a great approach to Filipino in your act, Big Norm, and of course in your restaurants. So I want to welcome my guest, Daniel Cancino, Big Norm. Thank you for coming on to Speaking Duck. Quack, quack. What's going on? What's going on, man? Yeah. Welcome back, Norm. Your second time here in the studios. Thank you so much for making the time. Daniel, your first time here. I need to talk to you about having a restaurant on Queen Street West right. for five years. Welcome to your fifth yeah, anniversary. It's a long time. It is a long yeah, time. It's actually when I met Norm five years ago, yeah. How, how did you guys ago. meet? Yeah, through the restaurant, actually. No way. Yeah. Norm like I'm uh, uh, the Filipino ambassador of Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so I need to go knock on this door and, and welcome myself. Okay, great. Well, that that's awesome because I want to hear uh, you know a lot of your opinions, Big Norm, on La Mesa. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, I'm almost going to get you to explain the restaurant off the bat. Uh, but first, a little bit of a personal note, Daniel. You just celebrated a 27th birthday? Yeah, that's right, yesterday. Congratulations, yeah. you made it. I'm, I'm here today, yeah. You know, uh, starting a restaurant when you're 22 years old on Queen Street West, you know, that's a lot of pressure for anybody. Most people are just coming out of university. What's it like, you know, making that career choice, getting out into La Mesa, your own restaurant? That's right, you were like 22. Yeah, 22. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Back then, yeah. Maybe I was even... Um, turning 22 at the time it's probably 21 yeah it was in yeah. open in in may yeah one thing so. you need to know about dan is like so we were both under uh chef rudy bukia at the time yeah at bukia. the time uh shout outs to him but even like rudy knew from john like this kid dan this guy's next this guy's you know we should talk about him having smokes in the back and whatever and he was just this humble guy with his head down always getting work done and now he's running shit. Well, we know, Norm, you're a, a food connoisseur. You're a chef. You know, you, you kind of a, a renaissance mang, as I said before. <laughs> That's what I call Norm. Daniel, you know, my burning question is, as a young chef with a restaurant on Queen Street West who just celebrated their 27th birthday, where does Daniel Cancino want to go on his birthday? Where did I go on my birthday? Where did you go? You, you um, must have selected something. I uh, I actually had dim sum, which is uh, some of my favorite food to have in the city. So uh, it was actually a surprise birthday party. It's pretty obvious I have a little stick and poke dim sum tattoo. <laughs> this lady, Alona Fitty, she does it really well. Birthday present, I got a chicken feet t-shirt from my partner. <laughs> so, I mean, I was still surprised even though I hit up that restaurant. There was like 50 people. It was uh, Which delicious. Uh, Rosewood. Where's Rosewood? It's like just east of Dundas and Spadina. They do, uh, at dinner, they do all-you-can-eat dim sum, so it's pretty dangerous. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. What, what's the price point? Uh, it's uh, 20 a head. 
Okay. Yeah. 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 And it was just Derek sending us cards that we got to write, pencil down all our orders, and we we're just going off. It was like, if you imagine like 50 people trying to like get in all their orders. Now, how long <laughs> do you think that restaurant's been there for? Oh, I don't know, maybe three, four years. So it's a, like it's a relatively new restaurant. Yeah, yeah, newer restaurant on Chinatown for sure. Man, I was going to say, why don't you invite me to your surprise party? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to invite anyone, actually. <laughs> uh, we all know that Toronto restaurants have an interesting turnaround with survival rate it's yeah it's true you know for someone yourself who's had a restaurant for for five years and you know the gamble and the risk and you're going to a dim sum restaurant which you would think there's a, a hundred of them in in you know the three chinatowns in toronto right you don't think there's going to be too much of a turnover there also we've recently seen closings from parts and labor burger p l burger uh this summer both beaconsfield and i think gandhi Road tea has closed for various reasons right these are all queen street west meccas yeah i mean restaurants are opening up as fast as they're closing it's just mm-hmm. kind of to keep trading as one's as soon as one closes someone buys it out what was that one restaurant across from a mesa that had like three spots in like two years oh i don't even remember queen street itself like just around our bubble is huge on the yeah. turnover yeah. So what what's it like calling Queen West your home for modern Filipino cuisine? What have you brought to the downtown core that didn't exist before? And what do you think has contributed to your success? Well, I think just being something different and Toronto always wanting to try something new. I mean, as multicultural as we are, how many Filipino restaurants are in the downtown core itself? Doing None. more sit down. You know? yeah, yeah. So... I mean, it's a challenge as much as it is bringing in something new, but it's definitely not easy, and it's still a road for us to travel. Yeah. So, so tell us about that. What what what's the, so, you know, when I hear modern Filipino cuisine, I feel like, you know, the Philippines is as old as some of ancient China, you know, and and ancient Asia, I should say, and there's so much food that is clearly a peasant approach to cooking. La Mesa is kind of flipping that on its head. You know, what I understand to be Filipino cuisine is taking some extreme risks, some extreme combinations, you know, because you're almost limited in supply or resources. So you kind of have to find interesting ways to pair flavors. So to elevate that to the level of modern Filipino cuisine, like how would you explain it, Big Norm? When you first, you're, you you know, you're the Filipino BIA of Toronto, (laughs) you know, you're, you are the one who's knocking on the store to make friends for all good reason. What was it about Daniel? cuisine that really spoke to you well the thing with filipino food you gotta understand it's like it's not the prettiest cuisine to look at but i'd like to think of filipino food as the ugly duckling that grew up the balut and now that it's grew beautiful up beautiful as hell right come on that and was a good like, filipino joke guys <laughs> the give, me some, <laughs> give me some credit say balot there we go then you got it well, anyhow for sure um Dan and and Rudy and and Les, all the guys that helped start La Mesa, have found a way to present Filipino food in a way that it's never been presented in Toronto, at least. And I feel like people always will be like, "Oh, it's not authentic Filipino food." Well, that's not the point. It's well, I feel, and when I was there, the point was to just to display Filipino food in a different light. That doesn't go too far away from the traditional flavors, but 
is presented in a very modern way. Daniel, can you add to that? You know, I'm, I'm sure you get a lot of grief, you know, especially from Filipino people that are like, right. you know, I, I, I'm not coming downtown, first of all, <laughs> to right, come right. to a Filipino restaurant. My, you know, grandma in Scarborough, my grandma in Parkdale, my grandma, grandma, it's yeah. all I hear. My right. mama can cook better than all these guys. Blah, 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 but then blah, I blah. see when I'm at your restaurant, you know, the best Chinese food restaurants, what's a good indicator of a good Chinese food restaurant? plastic uh, table mat. No frills, right? <laughs> right? No frills is a great, but to me, I'm looking for Chinese people. Okay. Right? right? When I go to La Mesa, I see Filipino people. Yeah, and it's right. interesting because even Filipino people who kind of want that little bit of finer cuisine, but still want that taste of home, says to me that this is a treat like any other restaurant mm -hmm. in Queen West or downtown core whether it's Filipino cuisine that you're craving and you can get low end you can get mid-range what have you and, exactly. and it, you have this kind of nice balance with with Lhasa and La Mesa but how do you explain Filipino cuisine and your modern take on it right well it's already difficult to explain when people say authentic Filipino food because there's so many influence to it. There's so many regional ways that you can do it. There's like 80 known ways to make adobo in itself. And people are talking <laughs> about this one way that's authentic. So when you're talking about being in the Philippines and being influenced from a regional culture, so many islands, 7,000 and whatnot, we're, we're just trying to make what we do here in Toronto, just another island of the Philippines, but here in Toronto. So we're an taking our influence yeah. from what we are, what we have around us on Queen and Bathurst and such. We're not trying to stretch the boundaries and getting these imported products from all the way in the Philippines when we can have a substitute ingredient that's more fresh and more available and ready and healthier here in Toronto. So It's interesting to say that because fresh is what we're all looking for when we go to a nicer restaurant. Even at the No Frills restaurants, it's uh, when the food speaks for itself, it's usually due to that freshness. So can you touch a little bit more like maybe on your adobo recipe or something that you have to substitute? There's a dish called laing, super yummy dish, one of my favorite, and uh, usually uses uh, gabe or like taro leaves. It's almost impossible to find it fresh here in Toronto. I don't even know. You, you can get it dried, you can get it frozen. Um, it's these really, really meaty greens that you braise down in coconut milk. It's similar almost to like kalalu or yeah. to an extent. Yeah. So, a little trini. Right. So, so we do use ingredients like whatever is in season. So we can use kale, Swiss chard collard greens we've used before so something like that where where you have this specific ingredient for a dish but we use the same flavors with a substitute ingredient we can find here mm -hmm. what do you think are some of the more extreme yet popular ingredient combinations that filipino food and cuisines surround some of its main dishes around uh, we, we do a lot of contrast flavor dishes, so adobo's salty sour, or a dish might be salty sweet, or a dish might be bitter sweet. You know, we use a lot of bitter melon dishes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a heavy contrast. When you talk about a bitter dish in the Philippines, it's it's bitter. When you talk about a sour dish, it's not like we squeeze like a bit of lemon juice on it. No, it's like it's we pound it with sour. vinegar and braise it down. So yeah. where, where do these techniques originate from? There's a lot of native cooking in the Philippines, but a lot of influence as well. So you're talking about yeah. heavy Chinese influence, Spanish in influence, Malay, American. Uh, Thai, heavy American influence. We have these this spaghetti dish with hot dogs that every Filipino 
probably grew up with. Yeah. Yeah. And and being like, I guess, I don't want to say the slaves, but being colonized by four different colonizers and being left with the scraps and having to figure out what to do with it, I feel like that's a big part of what Filipino food is too. It's like, what are we doing with the leftovers? There's a thing called baon. Like it's almost, it's, it's pretty much leftovers in Filipino culture. And baon culture is huge. <laughs> Taking home food, is, is so heavy in, in our culture that I think like that in itself explains a lot of it too. Like it's just taking what's left like for instance, sisig. Sisig is like chopped up pig face, which is normally the leftovers from like a full pig roast. And then they'll, they'll mix that with some chilies, ginger, um, onion, garlic, some calamansi lime, and then yeah, throw that on a skillet, sauce. some Super fish sauce, yeah. egg just cracked over top, served on a skillet. My God, you will just like think of it, I'm salivating, right? That over mm. rice, you're good to go. And that was just leftovers. Yeah. And, and there's something to be said about food getting better when it's leftovers yeah. or the fact that the meats and the cuts and the leftovers usually take longer to prepare, longer to cook down, a lot of stewing, uh, you know, and, and that's a huge part about peasant culture. But to me personally, that's the food I like the best. That's, that's, yeah, that's soul the way food you go. right there. It is. Soul food. That's where like fermented foods come from. That's where adobo came from. Yeah. Adobo translates into marinate. We just, before refrigeration days, Meat proteins were just soaked in soy sauce and vinegar. Yeah, yeah. Just to preserve it, and all of a sudden, it's this national dish that we we eat way post refrigeration days. Yeah. <laughs> have you been to the Philippines? Were you born in the Philippines? I have. I was born in Hong Kong. Uh, moved to the Philippines a couple of years later till I was eleven. Moved to Vancouver, and then I moved here. So your family just kind of were they in the army? There's a, that's a lot of movement. For... It's, it's a lot. My father at the time was working back and forth from Hong Kong and the Philippines. Okay. So we did live there for a bit um, with the plans on moving back, which we did. And then for education, I have two older brothers who wanted to go to school, take them to North America. I mean, like the immigrant stream. So that's what we did. Is everybody here now? Everyone is here now, wow. immediate, immediate family. Yeah. That's incredible. So tell me about your relationship with cooking in your family, because I can only imagine that it starts in your own kitchen where you discover right. your tastes and your love for cooking. Right. Well, with that timeline, I mentioned childhood. I grew up with all the flavors, all the aromas, tasted everything. Came In the Philippines, we all live in uh, big families and smaller houses, so it's a lot of your mom or your grandma cooking big, big family meals. Uh, yeah. My mom came from a family of 10 siblings. I mean, you do the math with each of them having their own, you know, sons and daughters. And all of a sudden you have this crazy, huge <laughs> family you're always eating, always having to be fed. Food, um, food, food. And then moving to North America and, and you're talking about a professional relationship, learning North American style European cooking. So that's where I was left with with my career. I had all these flavors and aromas reminiscing growing up with the technique learned here in North America. Uh, Filipino families are extremely tight. Party time all the time. If you catch Big Norm show on Instagram, oh, yeah. his stories, every other weekend this guy is with a hundred of his relatives, <laughs> yeah. you know, in somebody's house eating a huge meal. Yeah. It always seems like some of the best stews and, and amazing food. Did you ever get the chance to start cooking at home before you realized, you know, I could do this for a living. Are you helping out ma, pa, grandma, grandpa? Who were you cooking with? Right. 
it was always that automatic. I mean, maybe Norm can say the same thing. Um, being a young one, you always got to help out somehow yeah. in the kitchen. It's oh, in the yeah. kitchen, you're cleaning, you're, it's always chores. Like, you're not laying around playing video games all day while the family is, <laughs> while the grandma's getting ready now. Guilty. Nah, you're, you're very hands, you're <laughs> hands on, right? Yeah. That's too funny. You gotta chip uh, in, right? Yeah, you do dishes, you, you gotta do something, right? So that's automatic, but I actually got into this full-blown as a career for a job that I needed through high school. So I actually just Shout started, out to Kelsey's. Yeah, actually, yeah, I was dishwashing <laughs> at a Kelsey's, Kelsey's. Uh, 15, 16 years old. And uh, from there, just, I mean, it was either going through there or through music. It was one or the other. I mean... Music? Yeah, what did you yeah, play? Uh, Say what? I, I was playing, like, clarinet, trumpet, saxophone, some drums, guitar, bass. You're still an artist, right? It's funny <laughs> how your art form changes. Norm is the same way, right? Norm's uh, a singer, uh, you know, a performer. I, I think it, cooking has a lot to do, not so much with science, but more so with, you know, the side of the brain that's creative and, and improvisational. Because think about the flavors that you're experimenting with. Are you ever really proud of an experiment that went so right that it is like, automatically on your menu do you have any uh, recollection of like one specific combination like i can't believe this worked and it, i'm serving it tomorrow right i'm more so proud and surprised of dishes that were going wrong at one point to ending up as an amazing finished product and i think a lot of chefs can agree with it. it's always about things always go wrong in kitchens that's just the way it goes no matter what it's just all being a chef is all about how you can react to it yeah, those miraculous mishaps. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, fuck. It's all about hey. how you can recover and, and make this a dish that you could never imagine. And all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're serving it to the public, you know? I feel like half of, like, food and recipes is as a, it's a result of either, like, a fuck-up, like something screwing up, or just necessity. Like, well, this is what I have left, so this is what I'm going to make. Oh, this turned out being amazing. Like, even when you think about milk, it's like, uh, who really wants to drink milk from a cow? <laughs> but then you're like, oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, man, look at that little caffeine in that cow's milk. You know what? I'm so right. thirsty. Screw it. I'm taking it. Ah. Yeah. And then you start like, you know what? Let me just save some of this for later. And then you're sitting there like, oh, crap. I forgot. It's ruined. What am I going to do with it? And then you start, you know what? Necessity. I'm just, I'm going to eat it. Oh, my God. Cottage cheese is invented. <laughs> oh, no. The cottage cheese went bad. Oh, I'm so hungry. Well, I'm going to eat it by necessity. Hmm. Gorgonzola. Ah, <laughs> you know, blue cheese. And just keeps on going. I think all of it is just either necessity or just, you know, miraculous mishap or fuck up. It's like science kind of playing a trick on you and how do you adjust or, you know, how do you pair it with something? And that's why Filipino food, to me, when people look at it, it's a lot of chicken and it's a lot of rice, and it, mm. but it's not. It's, it's a lot of heavy flavors on top of that, almost with your case uh, and you, your version of uh, Kamayan, where you're basically going full-blown and everyone's eating with no hands, um, that experience is is bigger than just the ingredients that you're using can you touch on kamayan and and you know how we're using extreme flavors but you're kind of showing the gamut you're showing everything that almost the philippines and la mesa has to offer in one dining experience right well kamayan is traditionally like a very family casual experience you you go out you make all this food and you go on this trip you go to the beach or you go on a road trip or you're at a park and then you're cutting down banana leaves from, from trees 
and then you just lay all the food on there and the family comes in very casual just dumps all the food on the leaves and the kids and the adults just go at it we we do it a little bit differently at la mesa where you're still very much eating with your hands but it's it's in this enclosed environment where people are serving you we are explaining every ingredient that comes out so it's not as intimidating but i mean at the end of it all eating with your hands is always way more fun than using <laughs> cutlery so yeah, 100%. once ev- i mean it might be intimidating for the first two or three bites but once you see everyone in the restaurant doing it mm-hmm. and this is just you know celebrating a culture in a sense people just don't even worry about it anymore you just get down on and the it's food. not like you know some old cafeteria lady throwing some sloppy joe meat on your pl- on your, on some you know banana leaves it's this well curated culinary experience that looks like this canvas where and like you look at it literally it looks like this crazy out of this world psychedelic canvas full of like you know hot pink burgundy streaks of of shrimp paste, shrimp yeah. paste and you know these nicely cut fried pieces of meat and spring rolls and whatnot and it's just it's just it's beautiful and the price point's quite impressive i mean considering a tasting menu which you have also done which i'd like to talk to you about which is on the higher end which is what you can expect for uh i I went when you first opened and i had like i think it was like eight to ten courses and it was reasonably priced but i think combined was like forty dollars yeah you know which is think about it you're like 16 different things that's incredible and the sauces and the presentation and all the effort that your team goes through there's some great videos on Les. can you give a shout out to Les? and it's on his youtube page shout out to oh, Les yeah. Savalano. <laughs> so who is Les? you know he's a park owner he, yeah he is an owner um him and his uh his family his parents actually used to own this place called barrio fiesta it's pretty um, big um yeah. big filipino grocery store takeout and then they opened a store called kaibigan this is Les's parents, so they own Kaibigan, which means friend. Um, it was like a steam table slash Filipino grocery store. Um, they did retire, and Les took over the spot and opened Lhasa. So it's kind of like handing down the reins through generations. So now Les has a spot on St. Clair that used to be his parents, mm-hmm. and hopefully it keeps going down and down. And now it's his take yeah. on Filipino food. And right. Yeah, it's a little bit more modern. that tradition, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's getting his own modern twist on that tradition, right? And, and I'm sure La Mesa and Lassa, you know, have this budding, you know, creativity incubation between the two of them. If something doesn't work at La Mesa, it probably will work at Lassa or vice versa. How can we take something at Lassa and up it to, for La Mesa standards? Right. Do you guys ever have those kind of meetings? Like now we have these other locations. You, you know, are you placing orders for both restaurants? What's it like having not only one but two popular restaurants in the city we just have to differentiate the obvious one is location so whatever is most convenient to the customer the other one is one is very traditional filipino food and one is a toronto take on influence filipino food so that is the way we differentiate and how we can explain that to our customers it's interesting you say Toronto take because there's a large Filipino community here in Toronto and, and Big Norm and I talk about this uh, all the time, you know, Toronto is very fortunate to have a community and I call a Filipino community uh, one because it's, it's vast here and there's a clear connection to the islands, which is also just uh, incredibly vast on its own in its own right. Filipino food is obviously 
popular in Toronto for the reason alone that there's so many people here migrating, immigrating from the Philippines before there was La Mesa, before there was last. So when you were a young boy, when you were in Toronto, what were the, the staples? Where, even today, you know, in what neighborhoods are you going for the original traditional Filipino food? Uh, Little Manila, man, like Bathurst and Wilson area. Yeah, there's San Paguita down there. Yeah. Yeah. My family likes that place. I mean, there's Canto as well. Tomatita flips yeah. on uh, Dundas and Bathurst in those, uh, those cargo containers. Yeah, so yeah, badass. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And her mom or like or one of the, her older aunts, I think. I don't know who it is. Yeah, her She's and her mom. Yeah. yeah. She, she just in there cooking away, like banging out you know like orders from uber from fedora from like you know she's just banging out food and it's crazy to see them do their thing remily's out in scarborough um they, they're another filipino restaurant it's funny thing. that you guys know like within the community food plays such a huge role clearly and that you guys can talk about yeah we know the same person that works here we know their family you know what brings you back what makes you sometimes have to get out of your kind of toronto influenced filipino what are you tasting at these restaurants that you're bringing back to your traditional modern take eating at canto for example just like getting their silugs like tocino silug or like tapa silug what is like this uh this dish we used to have for breakfast or lunch all the time back when I lived in the Philippines and it just reminisces back to me having like it's like cured thinly sliced meat on garlic rice and a fried egg and that's lunch or brunch or breakfast yeah, yeah. so silog is literally like I guess rice and egg the fried rice and egg and then whatever is in front of silog is what you're so if it's bang silog it's bangos which is the fried fish with rice and egg or if it's long silog it's longanisa with mum. so it's basically the silog with any type of meat that you want you can pick and choose that's like the most traditional like Filipino staple breakfast dish and it's like pretty heavy it's like deep it's like woo, fried yeah. garlic rice and that breath for the rest of the day is just <laughs> right off baby <laughs> but, but it's so good and that's what canto normally like you'd go to canto if you really really want that like taste of home or that just no no frills just like it's an unadulterated Filipino yeah it's in a cargo food. box like, yeah it can get <laughs> any more no, no frills <laughs> well you mentioned tasting like home so now we're back at your family houses what are you excited the most about about eating when you're at home mm, my home my mom's pancit for sure is noodle dish she goes off on that one it's um <coughs> so she's a uh, part chinese filipino so she throws in like some chinese influence on her pancit so she's always throws in chinese sausage fish balls no. which is a little different take on what amazing usually it's super delicious so that's something yeah that's something that's very reminiscent for me and that's the same thing that goes back to what dan was saying about like there's not one set recipe you'll say oh your mom made pancit it could be the most different type of pancit using yeah. different noodles and there's even like yeah there's pancit canton pancit yeah, there's so many. There's so many different noodles. types of noodles, but it's one th one dish. Yeah, man, it's it's so good. And so, you, Norm, when you're home, what do you, who's um, who's food and what is it? Well, my mom makes really. She's a baker, so her pan de sal, which is like the the staple bread bun for the Filipinos. But my pops was the cook. He was the chef. So like, he would have this dish called panapaitan, which is pretty much like. Goat innards, 
um, cooked in goat bile. It's like really a good goat though. bile broth. Yeah, he's not really selling it, but it's delicious. Yeah, it's it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> it's like. I, I I just like to let people know that yeah we're using the the brine of or not the brine the the bile of the goat like we save that juice and throw that in that stock baby mm, it's yeah. so good but there's beef uh, or goat tripe goat just goat meat goat liver all types of different goat meats. What are the staples in these pantries? You're going home. What's a guaranteed staple in the pantry? Oh, fish sauce. Fish sauce, soy sauce, black pepper, bay leaf. Several kinds of vinegars. Yes. Several kinds. Um, Something, a bunch of random pickled things. So, whether it be pickled peppers, pickled mangoes, pickled... Yeah, it's pickled things. Yeah, pickled papaya is delicious as well. And can you tell me a little bit more about Filipino fast food? Jolly Bee. <laughs> is that legit? That's for real, man. That's, is it that's le- like, is it good? Is it is it worth going? I know you've probably checked it out. Is McDonald's good? Well, you know it's good. <laughs> is Jolly Bee's good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when you put it that way, it's true. So it's a craving. What do you, what is Filipino fast food? Why is it so popular? You would think, you know, where culture back home in the Philippines is very kind of low and slow. You know, everyone's kind of a little bit more chill. Like, yeah, Filipino uh, people are known for hardworking and, and getting the job done. But at the end of the day, you're still stewing. You're still heading home for like a big cooked meal. Where does Jolly Bees come into to it, play here? It had to have come in from the American influence, right? Yeah. 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 Had to. You're talking about soda pops. You're talking about Jollibee does hamburgers. Um, they do apple pie. They do French fries. Mm-hmm. Would you like rice with that? Yeah. <laughs> just happen to serve rice on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like rice or fries? That's fine. <laughs> I'll have rice with my burger, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a change of things. So, you know, is Filipino uh, modern cuisine affected by those taste buds at all? Are you trying to, you know, Toronto also likes its McDonald's, you know, also likes its fast food also likes its fried food and mm. restaurants are always you know using the deep fryer they're you know in your tasting menu which i enjoyed you were doing lots of different things from fresh stuff all the way to fried stuff where does that kind of taste come into your cooking right well cooking and creating just like being an artist of of any variety it's always based off nostalgia it's mm-hmm. always based off something right, um, right wh- yeah whether you're writing a song creating a dish you know writing a play so yeah i mean if it just so happens that growing up with Jollibee, having a dish from there can create something completely different within those same flavor parameters of what you grew up with i mean then sure Jollibee could have that influence as well yeah i mean we always have daily specials at la mesa our cooks will create that sometimes i do sometimes our cooks will just They'll just go off on it. One of them, this guy, uh, Julian, actually made um, this dish called burger steak. So burger steak is it's a hamburger with uh, mushroom gravy on rice. And this is a big dish that they sell at Jollibee, and people love this stuff. So instead of the burger bun with a burger, it's a burger on rice with gravy. And he he made, like, a really beautiful special with it. It's like a, this massive... Um, beef and pork patty that he served with like uh, mixed mushrooms like you know like you could put on chanterelles any Ontario mushrooms make it look really spoofy and nice and it's super delicious and it's based off this like two dollar hamburger dish from Jollibee's you know what I mean I mean it's he's like not calling it a Jollibee dish, dish right? but it's, it's yeah. nostalgia right yeah 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 
Filipino food is known for using a variety of influence, from Spanish to American, like you mentioned before. But the Philippines are made up of thousands and thousands of islands, all of which will adapt their own flavors based on a variety of social and economical elements. What are some of the more commonplace combinations in Filipino cuisine where the Western brain may at first just question, will this truly pair together? Spam. Spam and what? Fried spam and like spam fried rice. Spam and everything. No. <laughs> spam and pineapples. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Just everything. Every time I think of you know, American influence and like Filipinos soaking it all up, like spam, corned beef, like what was it? Just like processed canned yeah, food. Canned foods. Canned food. Yeah. Definitely brought. America definitely brought that to the Philippines. Really? Oh yeah. Because the Americans, the, the the the, Tumba, the Hawaii, army, same thing, right? Yeah, the same the same influence they have in Hawaii, like spam and all that, like pork, like heavy pork, like America. Um, when their arm, when they set up their army base in the Philippines, brought that influence, like just a lot of canned and processed convenience foods. I like right? fried spam. You give a thin slice of fried spam on like a breakfast sandwich. It's like yeah. delicious. Delicious. Yeah. We'll do that sometimes. You know, mom will like you know beat up some eggs, just throw some spam and then throw that egg right over top of it. You have this yeah. spam spamlet. My you know? background is Jewish. So we grew up, thank you, <laughs> we grew up with uh, Chicago 58, which is like a famous kind of uh, beef salami that's, you know, basically sold in North York and Thornhill supermarkets. And we call it salami and eggs. You cut up slices. It almost looks like spam in its own right. It's cured yeah. meat that just doesn't come from a can. Chop it up, fry that down, render a little bit of the fat, crack the eggs into it. Boom. My dad could make one dish. That was it. You know, like <laughs> right. that's our spam and eggs. You put that on rice it's a filipino <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right away yeah chop up some eggs or some some tomatoes with that and you're yeah. good and no you got to throw a banana on the side yeah full filipino dish right there filipino breakfast and serve it on a banana leaf obviously yeah. <laughs> uh daniel brunch and la mesa Right. It's an interesting concept to me because brunch in Toronto, you know, is so, you know, the thing to do on, right. on a weekend. Uh, Toronto, well, listen, to each their own, you know, if <laughs> the funny thing about people who can cook or want to cook rather, you know, if you want to cook a couple nice brunch dishes at home, it's a great challenge. But think about it. I'm not going to make an Eggs Benny. I'm not making hollandaise sauce. Toronto who loves its brunch for whatever reason where does la mesa bring the filipino palette to the toronto brunch palette right um shout out to la mesa brunch by the way yeah, yeah. La mesa brunch. <laughs> tell us about that that's a kind of an interesting concept to me right before we get into that i just want to say i'm speaking for 99 percent to maybe 100 percent of toronto cooks in a city that brunch service is one of the worst services to work as a professional cook <laughs> it's it's awful i've always hated working brunch throughout my whole career i don't know anyone that loves it that works dinner service because you just have to do both yeah um that being said we made sure we had a lot of fun creating this brunch menu <laughs> because if we're gonna do it we're gonna have fun doing it so we have um we do take a handful of Toronto brunch dishes and take Filipino flavors when we put it together. So we have a French toast 
on the menu right now. Norm, Norm might remember cooking that one. Ooh, but we, French toast we, run. The bread, the bread we use is um, it's called oh, ensamada. Brioche. It's like a Spanish influenced bread that we do in the Philippines. Um, it's a brioche that they usually put shredded cheddar and white sugar on top. Um, so we make that in house, yeah. but we make a whole loaf. Uh, we make a French toast with it. We put uh, Filipino fruits. We put calamansi on it, which is a Filipino citrus. And instead of milk, um, we'll put coconut milk and the eggs in the egg. Oh wow! Right. We just give it that. So we do French toast with Filipino flavors. Yeah. So we do it in our own breads. We make our own our own gravlax, but with a Filipino a Filipino cure. So yeah. it's salmon flavored like longanisa sausage. Mm-hmm. Um, we make our own sausage. We do. Uh, we make our own bacon there. We do a cassava hash instead of potato hash. Hey, uh, we make our own banana ketchup. So see now you're talking I mean, about we, language. We're trying to have a lot of fun with it, right? So, but that makes sense to me. As you explained it to me, I was like, these are all the Filipino staples that would like like cassava is almost like a potato. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. But you want the sweetness of that ketchup. Why not a banana tomato puree? Yeah. So it is Filipino, but we're we're also comfortable with eating ketchup and hash. Yeah. But this way, we do cassava hash with banana ketchup. Um, we still have the silog on the menu, which we talked about earlier, fried rice, egg, protein. So, yeah, we still That's have those Filipino brunch. staples. Yeah. We also have these, uh, an, an eggs benedict that we do Ooh. Filipino style. We, so that one's a bit, that was a really, really good one. What's so on that? We still have chicken adobo on. So we, What's on that eggs benedict? So the benny is um, on the bottom, the base is uh, ensamada bread that we were talking about earlier, um, poached egg. Uh, salmon gravlax, so it's salmon we cure in uh, longanisa spices. Uh, hollandaise made from uh, spicy vinegar and calamansi. And yeah, and we, we serve it with a salad on the side. It's really yummy. Yeah. Now this leads me into a perfect brunch, uh, a compliment is the cocktail or you know the beverage and the philippines screams to me fruits and fresh ingredients you know where what what would you say is is your your cocktails that are influenced by the philippines or maybe you guys can touch on some drinks in general filipino drinks to me is a little bit of a disconnect if you can touch on that guys anything right. with calamansi delicious really. already like yeah, yeah calamansi, calamansi is like pineapple the, the Filipino citrus fruit, like the native citrus fruit of the Philippines. It's like, what would you, how would you describe it? Like a half part lime, part clementine? Yeah, part, part bit of orange maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very unique to the Philippines. And are you that juicing citrus. it? Yeah. 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 And are you There's getting- one place we get it in from in Toronto because the other place just closed down in Chinatown. No. Yeah, yeah. so we're getting it from this uh, warehouse in Ossington. Yeah, you can only buy it in um, like crazy. Yeah, big bulks amount. Yeah, yeah. That's really, really good. It's really tart. It's very specific. And cocktails? Can you touch on the, the La Mesa cocktail? Yeah, I can touch a bit on it. I'm not um, too comfortable with the making of and creating of, but uh, I am a little experienced, definitely through drinking them. Yeah. So <laughs> let's. Just I mean, go I'll speak that. on That's it on fine. that end. Yeah, um, for sure. For brunch, we sell a lot of mimosas, but. We do them with uh, guava juice and bubbly, or we do calamansi juice and bubbly. We sell shandies, but with with uh, calamansi extract. We have this, the most popular cocktail right now is uh, Lolo Cool J. It's like a, like yeah. a Rattler almost. It's good. It's good. It's like, like um, a, pine- it's rum, a pineapple syrup, uh, calamansi, ginger. It's really yummy. See, I could drink that. Yeah. I'm not an alcohol lover. Yeah. So you give me a sweet... 
drink i'm yeah. all over that yeah exotic flavors in there and you were saying like with citrus and sugar you're really hammering that flavor home you're really hammering that sweetness home that sourness so i can imagine the cocktail world just being really extreme heavy flavors i mean especially in general who wants to drink alcohol unless it's like so masked with sugar and fruit right, right. unless it's, it's a an after work drink and you just want to have a couple shots of whiskey maybe yeah. is that your, yeah. is that your uh, after um dinner service preference is a couple shots of what jameson yeah anything? that's usually yeah, yeah yeah that's usually the uh, bar tequila or yeah oh really yeah and any on the rocks and any for big norm yeah uh and when you're leaving the the office the, the the kitchen where are you going to if you're craving food and you just c- couldn't really eat anything at your own restaurant are you heading to chinatown are you heading to koreatown where are you going those are two spots mm-hmm. I very f- much frequent. So you hit that on the yeah Koreatown Almond. You got to have the pork bone, pork bone soup. Um, if you're going late night, there's Taste of China, Canton Chili. Yeah. I've probably been with Norman all these places at some point nice. in our lives. You guys there's are a tight. lot of new things pop, popping up though on Spadina. Right, Swatow. We got to shout them out too. Oh, right. yeah. Swatow. Yeah. Shout out Taste of China. Yeah. Shout out Canton Chili. Yeah. Yeah, roll song. There when you need it, right? Yeah, what's, yeah. what's left after everything else is closed? Yeah. Right. Roll song. Philippines, a hot and sunny, beautiful paradise. So I can only imagine that sweet and icy treats are kind of a staple. You're, yeah. you're going for it, whether it's ice cream or ice treats. Can you tell touch can you touch on the, the Filipino approach to dessert? There's tons, but when you talk about that, you gotta talk hello hello. Hello motherfucking hot yeah that's like the the top if you're talking about a hot day and you want a nice cold dessert it's hello hello it's pretty much a filipino snow cone on a shabu which is pretty much filipino ice okay (laughs) and when i'm talking ice i'm talking about crystal meth (laughs) okay so this shit looks crazy there's candied beans a variety of jellies and yeah and, bananas and bananas and tapioca sometimes you got it's literally textures, it can be anything and everything crispy rice there's even if you pull up a picture right now it'll probably be this if you go you'll google see, image and you search up hollow hollow you'll see like all the colors in the world you'll see sweet purple yam um just scoops of mashed purple yam yeah. you'll see lecha flan on there and basically so they they take shaved ice put whatever confectionery items from like those beans to whatever the gels whatever and then they top it off with some um carnation milk yeah evaporated um, milk some simple syrup and or like condensed milk to yeah, condensed pour that milk. on and then sometimes um, they'll just be like, hey, you want some ice cream on that bitch too? Prap. Yeah, yeah ice cream yourself. for sure. Yeah. You know? Which is why you're also seeing these popular shaved ice ice cream things popping up everywhere, mm. which I'm assuming is more Thai than, than the Philippines. The Taiwan, I, I don't know. I know the Taiwanese are up on their, on their desserts and drink games like bubble tea, shaved ice. Like the that ice roll, yeah, that stuff. ice roll thing. Like when I was right. in Taiwan, those guys are ahead of the game with that stuff. Like maybe Asia in general, but like. And when you travel to the Philippines, what are the the foods that you you have to eat there? That you can pretty much only eat there. Oh well, halo halo is a good one to try one. in the Philippines. Um, you got to try the whole lechon there. 
There's places that do it here in Toronto, but you got to go to Cebu and have the whole lechon. Yeah. It's insane. What's the lechon? It's a whole pig that's slowly roasted, sometimes for like 8 to 12 hours. Um, Cebu does it in their way where they stuff it with like lemongrass, uh, ginger, uh, star anise, just rotating it all day, maybe basting it with a mixture of 7-Up uh, and soy sauce and just hitting that skin the whole day. And then just the whole town comes in and gets in on this lechon. It's so good. Yeah. And it, like Anthony Bourdain even said it himself, best pork in the world. Yeah. Crispy, crispy, crackling outside, moist meat inside. It's Yeah, it's definitely the dish to have. So what's next for La Mesa and Lassa? What's next for Daniel Cancino? I don't know. I'm just hoping, like our goal is to bring Filipino food and culture to, to mainstream it, to not make it so exoticized anymore, just like part of Toronto culture, just like how there is 200,000 Filipinos in GTA that grew up here, you know? So whether it's expanding through opening up more restaurants or expanding my name or going to maybe somewhere else in Canada and opening up, I mean, who knows? Lhasa's still very new. So we're just trying to feel it out. Well, I want to thank you guys. Big Norm Alconcel. Boom. Daniel Cancino from La Mesa at 669 Queen Street West and Lassa, 634 St. Clair Avenue West. Can you guys plug your socials, your websites, wherever we can see more about you guys? Uh, Big Norm, you can find me at The Big Norm Show on Twitter, Instagram, Big Norm on Facebook. Google me, Big Norm. There's only three other Big Norms. Me, a fat pig, the largest pig in the world, <laughs> and a New Zealand uh, politician, like the Pierre Trudeau of fucking New Zealand. Anyhow, um, look me up. Oh, yeah. Shameless plug. September 17th, part of the Soul Food Comedy Festival. Uh, we have an event called uh, Big Norm's Comedy Cookout at the Comedy Bar. And then in Ottawa, for anybody listening in Ottawa, I'll be doing the Comedy Kitchen on September 30th. So it's kind of fitting that I'm doing two, these two comedy kitchen events while doing this speaking duck with y'all. And you can also hear another episode with Big Norm Alconcel on Ross Never Sleeps on Never Sleeps Network. Daniel, where can we check out your socials and your websites for your restaurants? If you want to keep up with what's going on, at Lamasatio, at Lasatio, uh, you can at me, Dangerous Yan Yan, for Instagram. I want to thank you guys so much for coming and how they say in the Philippines and their native language of Tagalog, Pa'alam. <laughs> nice. Galing. Thank you. This has been another episode of Speaking Duck on Never Sleeps Network. I want to thank my guest, Big Norm Alconcel, Daniel Cancino. Check out La Mesa. Definitely if you've been craving, uh, you know, that new ethnic flavor that you haven't hit yet in the city, La Mesa. Queen Street 669 Queen Street West Peace Salamat po <laughs> Okay, thank you, ma'am, sir Palam <laughs> Oh, man Never Sleeps Network this has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Never Sleeps Network.